Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Surely goodness and mercy follow me. I want you to turn around behind you right now and just have a look if it's there. Just, just have a look. Is, sure, is goodness and mercy there? Or do you look around and say, is trouble following me? Because this morning the word says, goodness and mercy is following me. Amen? Amen. Why don't you give someone a high five and take your seats this morning. Thank you to the team, the worship team the media team, the whole creative team. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. It's great to be in church this morning. This morning what I'd like to do is I would like to, I would like to help an expectation within you rise. You know, we we have like our, our spiritual life is like, A thermometer. And, you know, it can be, the Bible says it can be cold, it can be lukewarm, or it can be hot. And what I would like to do is begin to train you and begin to inspire you to come to church with a hot thermometer. With an expectation that something is going to happen. Because church isn't just a place that we attend so we can sing some nice songs and, and listen to some nice words and, and, then, and then have one of those great coffees from the cafe and then all go home. But it's a place where we should be coming to be transformed by the very power of God. Is that right? Is that right? So, so this, this is our culture here. This is our values right there that we want to experience God that we want to be transformed by that experience and then we want to learn to belong as a real community of believers who by being experiencing God are more transparent with him, transparent with each other and then we are transformed and we're walking each other through that transformation. We're being real with one another. We're not putting on a show. We're not pretending to be something that we're not. But we're all saying, look, I'm at another place of transformation. Excuse me if I'm a little bit of a mess today. And we just go, you know, well, that's what it's all about. Praise God. We should be all in a mess every day. What's your name, sir? Craig. Craig, Craig, you have such a, a huge heart. It's like a big, big heart. And there's so much for you to give. 
and, and you've reached a season in your life, you just go, God, what is it all about, all this that's inside of me? Because there's so much built up inside of you. And the Lord's speaking to you about fathering. He's speaking to you about being a spiritual father to sons and to daughters who really need to hear a dad's voice. You know, last week we had Jeremiah praying, him, praying for him to go back to India. And he was from an orphanage in India. And, um, and Phil Cairns stood up and said, this is one of the boys that calls me dad. And that little boy, I don't know if you saw his eyes or not, or he's not a little boy, he's a young man, but his eyes was filled up with tears because in his whole life, he had never, no one had ever said to him, son. And there's, there's a generation of men, Craig, and young men who may have fathers, but have never been affirmed by them. And I feel like God's given you a real father's heart for the church. For the, for the, does that sit with you? Speaks to you? Yeah. And don't, you know, don't be, you know, you've been places where, you know, you've wanted to do things and it hasn't been accepted. But I think, I think there's just so much love inside of you that God's just going to make a way. All right? Okay, great. So good. We, um, we started our um, three-week intensive on the, um, hearing the voice of God and the prophetic last Tuesday. Um, those that came, we had a good time, didn't we? We had a great time, and um, God was just, whoa, he was there. So if you want to join in on that, that's a pop-up. We're doing pop-up connects where we, we do just something different all the time. If you want to join in on that, that is Tuesday night here in the Elevation Room at 7 o'clock, 7 to 9 o'clock. And um, we can catch you up and fill you in. And we just, had a, we just had a great time. It was amazing. And I'm sure that people that were in that group on Tuesday night have come with more expectation. Is that right? More expectation this morning. Because we need to have an expectation that God will meet us. You know, there is nowhere in Scripture in the New Testament that we can read about Jesus when he walked throughout the earth that he didn't come in contact, when he came in contact with human beings, that people were not transformed and changed. I mean, it was just part and parcel with him walking around. You either hated him and therefore persecuted him or you loved him and were transformed by him or loved him and followed him. There was only two ways you could treat this man because this man was not a normal man. This was God in the flesh. Wherever he went, things happened. And see, the word of God says, when two or three are gathered in my name, when two or more are gathered in my name, have we got more than two this morning? Let me see. One, two. Oh, we did it. We passed. One, two. Yep. Good. Where two are gathered, three are gathered in my name, what does it say? I'm there in the midst of you. So although we can't see him with natural eyes as they did in the, in the New Testament, we know that when we're gathered together, that he's actually here walking around. And what is he walking around looking for? He's walking around through the crowd looking for the one who is hungry, looking for the one who has an expectation or a faith inside of them that can reach out and activate something that's inside of him. Reach in and take something from Jesus. 
Let's have a look at a few of these stories, and I want to take you through some stories, and we're going to go quickly through these stories because there's a few of them. But I want to read them to you because it's important to read Scripture and know exactly what we're talking about, okay? So this first one, I want you to know that whenever Jesus... This is what I want to talk about this morning. So the the title of my sermon is Divine Exchange. So when Jesus came near someone, there was a divine exchange. If someone had sorrow, they could trade it in and they could get some joy. Okay? There was, a, there was a trade that went on, a divine exchange between Jesus and humanity that is still available to us right now in this meeting today. So I want you to start to think about it as I'm speaking in your mind. What have I got inside of me that I would like to exchange today? What have I got inside me going on in my world, in my body, in my mind, in my finances, in my well, you know, whatever is going on, have I got sin that I can't deal with? Have I got stuff that's going on? What do I want to trade today? Because we're going to open up for trading later on. And we're going to do some divine exchanging. Does that sound good? Yeah. Now you look nervous. <laughs> you're supposed to go, oh, that is awesome. But you're going, okay, okay, we'll see about that. I'll just test you out to see. Anyway. So the first story I want to talk to you about, this divine exchange that happened, was a suffering woman that was transformed into a healed woman. How many know that's good? Oh, there it is there. Can it make those bigger? Suffering woman transformed into a healed woman. Now in the crowd that day, there was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better, but worse. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, see, here, I heard about Jesus' healing power. This is where we get faith from. Faith comes from hearing. I heard about Jesus' healing power. She pushed through the crowd, there's your key, She pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his shawl. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. Now you have to know about this woman. Let me just give you a little bit of background here. She had continual bleeding. So back in in the old days, back in the Old Testament, if a woman had her monthly cycle, she was not supposed to go out in public for seven days until after it finished because she was declared unclean. Well, this woman has been bleeding, what did it say? How many years? 12 years. So for 12 years, she's been unable to go out in public. 12 years, she's been in isolation. 12 years, she's been in a state where she cannot socialise with anyone. It, what, did that feel, what does that feel like for you ladies? Locked in your house for 12 years. Some of you are little babies locked in your house for a week and going crazy. You know what I'm saying? 12 years she's locked in her house. So she's pretty desperate, right? And if she goes out and she gets found bleeding in a crowd, then she would have to be stoned or have some sort of, uh, there's some sort of repercussion for her being unclean and being around people. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Thank God Jesus liberated women. We can just have our period without worrying about it. Amen. Um, this is all good. But um, 
So she's, she's just, she gets to this point, you can imagine, where she just goes, you know what? I, I don't care how I feel today. I've got to get to that church. I, I don't, whatever's going on in my world is just going to have to wait. I've got to get to that church. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to find him. I've got to get to him. I may be persecuted for this. I might have a husband that doesn't want me to go to church, a wife that doesn't want me to go to church. I might have a grandma's 80th birthday today, but I need to get to church and I need to touch this man. So she's pushing through. She doesn't care anymore. She's over it. If I die, I die. I just, if I can... And what does she wanted to do? She wanted to just touch the edge of his garment. So here, I've got my garment on, and he's walking along. He's got his garment. So if she can just creep up and just grab the edge of this, no one's going to notice, and she can sneak off, but she knows she'll be healed. If I can just touch the edge of his, how much expectation is that? If I can just touch the edge of his garment... She says, if I could only touch his clothes, I know I'll be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed from her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt, listen, he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him to someone to be healed. Do you come to church? expecting that Jesus will walk among us and that there's power surging around him and you, and you want to place a demand on that power so the power that's surging around him will go through him and come and... Are you willing to touch the hem of his garment? Are you that desperate yet or do you need to be locked in a house for 12 years? I don't know. He felt the power, I've got to read that again. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? The disciples are going, you're crazy. Now, I, I just want you to imagine for a minute, if I was standing here and everyone in this room crowded around me to the point where I couldn't move. That's how Jesus was. And they're going, there's a whole crowd around you, Jesus. Everyone's touching you. Everyone's touching. Everyone's around you. Everyone's rubbing into you, bumping into you. But he said, no, no, you don't understand. There's a crowd around me. They're all bumping into me. They're all trying to see what's going on. But there's only one that put a demand on the anointing. There's only one. His disciples answers, what do you mean, who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear. Can you imagine how she felt? I'm about to be exposed. And threw herself down at his feet. When's the last time you were in so much fear of being exposed that you threw yourself down at Jesus' feet? And she said, I was the one who touched you. In front of the whole crowd, it was me. I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. So in front of everyone, she just goes, I'm ready to come clean. I can't keep this hidden anymore. I can't stay with this sin anymore. I can't stay with this suffering anymore. I can't hold this in anymore. I'm ready to come clean in front of this whole crowd because I desperately need to be healed. 
And Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. And that was in Mark 5, 25 to 34 and 35 for the podcast listeners. Listen to this one. What about this? What about a persecutor turned into a preacher? That's a pretty good exchange, don't you think? During those days, Saul was full of angry threats and rage. Saul was a a Pharisee, a religious leader of the day. He saw all these Christians. This is after Jesus had been crucified and rose from the dead. Now the church is, they thought they'd done away with this problem. And now the church is rising up, speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick, delivering people. They're seeing great manifestations of healing. Now it's not just one man, now it's many men. Now they're, and women, and they're everywhere. And how do we deal with this problem? We killed him, and now these ones have risen up, and they're everywhere. And so Saul is just angry. He's just going, how can we deal with these people? Don't we kill them all? We'll just kill them all. We'll just kill them all. So he's full of angry threats and rage. He wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his heart. So he went to ask the high priest and requested a letter of authorization that he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting anyone who were followers of the way. This man is on a mission. He's on a mission. He's angry. He's sick of this. He's got religious, he's got a religious anger, which is, religious spirit's a pretty ugly thing. And, um, and so here we are here. Saul wanted to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. Who knew what happened when they got dragged back as prisoners? You know, they'd be killed and fed to lions and all kinds of crazy stuff. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus just outside the city. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. That's something that happened with you last week, didn't it, Brendan? It's Brendan, isn't it? Like this guy just comes in, he's just like, I said, if you want to, if you want to, you know, if you want to feel God, just come to the front. This was in our Sunday night service. And um, we were just doing a worship and prayer night, worship night, just free worship. This guy, he's just gorgeous. He just walks straight to the front. He's just staring straight at me and he's like, and so I, off mic, I just said, hi, buddy, you know, do you know Jesus? He said, no, actually, I don't. And I said, would you like to know Jesus? He said, actually, I would. And so he's, yeah, yeah, he's Brendan. He's so gorgeous. This is Jade with him. Jade brought him to church. And he said this, I said, just say this little prayer. There's lots of stuff going on. Everyone was being prayed for. There was people all over the floor and getting touched and healed by God and different prayer teams praying. This was just me and him over in the corner just doing a little personal thing with Jesus, wasn't it? And he said this prayer with me and he said, you know, in Jesus' name, then boof, he's on the floor. He's flat on his back, he's shaking, his eyelids are going, his chest is going like this and Jesus is coming like a white light around him and coming and the power that's surging around Jesus is now in Brendan. Brendan doesn't know what this is about. He thinks it feels good. It's great. He was on the floor for probably an hour, hour and a half maybe. 
you probably didn't know you were there that long, but I was timing it. I was like, still down. This guy's going to come up very changed. And um, I love it. When he got up, I went up and said, what was that like? Oh, that was pretty cool, you said, didn't you? That was, that felt pretty cool, you know, and, you know, I've looked at Buddha and lots of different things. This is all very different to that. feels different. I said, that's because this is the thing. This is it. This is that. And so this is what I'm talking about, Brendan. These encounters that people have with God. You know, it's just life-changing, man. It's absolutely life-changing. You'll never be the same. You still don't understand what happened to you, but you'll never be the same. You're still, you're still going, oh, I don't know, but still, you'll never be the same. And so, are you enjoying this? Oh, good. I'm going easy on you today, aren't I? Like a couple of weeks ago, it's like the prophets in the house. And anyway, it was good. Woke you up. It's good to wake up. Okay, so, so just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him and falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the men accompanied, you know, Jesus is, you know, he died on the cross under the earth for three days, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, that's where he is right now. In this story, but somehow a white light comes around Saul and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And um, now listen to this. The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless for they heard a heavenly voice, but they could see no one. I think that's interesting. Lord, open our eyes so we can see. Even when other people are being having encounters, we open our eyes so we can get a bit of that ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, be in it. Like, I was getting touched by God because Brandon was getting touched by God. Because I was in there. I was in that surge. I was like, whoa, there's no greater feeling in the world than to be a part of a miracle. Amen? And, And the men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. And Saul replied, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, the victorious, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city where you will be told what what you are to do. So this is Jesus that he's killed. Now he's trying to kill all his followers. Jesus, he hears Jesus' voice. And Jesus says, just get up, go to the city, and I'll tell you what you're going to do. And he just goes, yes, sir. He just goes, yes, sir. Saul stood to his feet. Even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. For three days he didn't eat or drink and he couldn't see a thing. That's a bit of an encounter. Living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling him saying, Ananias, yes, Lord, Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance. That's interesting, isn't it? The street called Abundance. Uh, I love that. The Bible is so clever that it even picks the right streets. And look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw a supernatural vision, a man named Ananias coming to lay hands on him to restore his sight. So 
So Saul's had this vision that a man's going to come and lay hands on him. But Lord Ananias replied, many have told me about this terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the highest priest has authorized him to seize and imprison those all in Damascus who call on your name. So this guy's going, don't you know what kind of guy this is? How many times do people experience miracles or God tells us to go and help a person or God tells us to reach out to a person and we go, yeah, but you don't know what kind of person this is, Jesus. You know, he's a murderer, he's a this, he's a that. He's a, this guy's a murderer, this guy's a persecutor, this guy is the opposing force of Jesus. This guy's been used by the enemy to destroy the church of that day and yet God said, I chose him. I chose him. And who are you? Who are you to question me? He says, arise and go. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. He will be brought before kings, before many nations, before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. He's going to be used to bring the revelation of the one that I am, but he killed me. He was part of the group that killed me. Yet I'm going to use him to bring forth the revelation about me. That's just the kind of Jesus we serve, isn't it, Craig? You know, that's the kind of people he uses, people like us, who are not real great. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. Ananias left and found the house where Saul was staying. He went inside and laid hands on him, saying, Saul... My brother, the Lord Jesus, will appear to you on the road. And I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read all this again. But he said, he's going to lay hands on you and you'll be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And all at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared and he could see perfectly. How many people in the church today have got crusty surfaces over their eyes and cannot really see the one who's trying to connect with them? Amen. Um, immediately he got up and was baptized after eating his meal his strength returned listen to this within the hour everyone say within the hour within the hour he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus is the son of God those who heard him were astonished saying to themselves isn't this the Saul who ferociously persecuted those in Jerusalem who called on the name of Jesus Didn't he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off as prisoners? Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. Saul remained there for several days with the disciples, even though it agitated the Jews of Damascus. It would agitate them a little, wouldn't it? (laughs) This was our key guy, and like he's, he's jumped ship. That's an encounter with God right there. Within the hour. Oh, hang on. He hasn't done the new Christians course, Katrina. Is he authorized to preach? Really? You know? He's laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. And he just got saved two minutes ago. Oh, that's the day I pray for. I've seen those days, haven't we, Frank? And we'll see them again. Okay, what about this one? Denying Christ, turning into a guy who dies for Christ. Denying Christ to dying for Christ. That's a pretty big change up. In Luke 22, 54 to 65, this is when they're just dragging Jesus away. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, who who knows who Peter is? Peter is one of his key disciples, right? 
He's one of the guys he sat with for three years. He sat with him for three years. He's walked with him. He's taught him how to do what he does. Peter's laid hands on the sick. He's seen miracles. He's seen, he's walked on water. This is Peter who walked on water. Jesus walking on the water. Peter's in a boat. He said, Lord, if that is you, let me come to you. And Jesus said, yeah, just come. So Peter walks on water. He takes a few steps and he goes, oh, gosh, what am I doing? And he starts sinking. And Jesus said, keep your eyes on me and you'll always be able to do what I do. That's what he said to him. So this is Peter. This is Peter who Jesus turned around and said, you are on the revelation that you know that I am the Messiah. I will build my church on that revelation. This is Peter. Woo! This is Peter. And it says, then seizing him, this is Jesus, they took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight and she looked closely at him and she said, this man was with him, meaning he was with Jesus. And he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also, you are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Three times he denied Jesus. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him at the Last Supper. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Here's a defeated man. Here's a man who thought he had it all together, has done the miracles. How many of you have been like that? I'm following you, Jesus. Everything is going good. I'm doing the right thing. You've patted me on the back. I've walked on the water. I've done the stuff. And then when, when it comes to the crunch, you know, when it comes to the hard time, I deny you three times. I back off. I back off. We, we always back off. We always go back where it's comfortable. We always go back to where it used to be. We always go back. We're always running backwards. And see, Jesus, he just loves Peter. And Peter's hiding. Jesus has been killed and he doesn't know what to do. And He's like, I've disowned him and it's all over for me. It's all finished. And he's sitting on the beach and he's just like, he doesn't even know what to do. And it's like, I've failed him. I've failed him. I've failed him. Ever felt like that? I've failed him. And he looks out to the water and there's someone in a boat. Oh no, sorry. He's in a boat out at the water. Let me change that around. Let me get the story right. Peter's out in a boat crying his eyes out. He looks to the shore and there's someone sitting there cooking fish. And he looks and he looks again and he recognizes that it's Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And he swims to the shore. He swims to the shore and Jesus goes, I'm just cooking fish for you. I'm just cooking your brekkie. Now he's expecting Jesus to go, what did you do, you terrible sinner? And what have you done? And why did you deny me? When I needed you most, you left me, you denied me. That's what we all expect Jesus to do, don't, don't we? We expect that. Well, what does Jesus do? Come, 
pull up a chair, let's have some brekkie. And he's feeding him fish. And he doesn't mention anything about any of that. He just says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know I love you, Lord. You know I love you, Lord. Look, go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He asked him again. Do you know I really love you, Lord? Well, go feed my lambs. And then he asked again, three times, Peter, do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. Three times he asked him, do you love me? For the three times that he had denied him. That's the kind of Jesus that's in this place right now. That's who he is. According to Christian tradition, Peter was crucified in Rome under Emperor Nero. It is traditionally held that he was crucified upside down at his own request since he saw himself unworthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. That's a life-changing encounter. Amen? What about thief to giver? That's a good one. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was a supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see him. Now, you've got to understand, tax collectors were hated by society because they would just really steal from the people. They would really take more than what they're supposed to take, and then they would pocket the rest, and they were just, they were criminals. They, they, were, they, they were criminals. And uh, so people didn't like them. And so, and he was, this guy, Zacchaeus, was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. So he's not a nice man. And as Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. And he kept trying to get a look at him. But he was very short. He was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So listen to this. So he ran on ahead of everyone climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, again, there's a whole crowd around. Jesus gets to the place where the tree is and he just looks up. Zacchaeus knows his name. He knows him by name. Hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. Imagine what that was like, face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over, over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all I own, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you. Salvation has come to your household. Today, for you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek and save those who are lost. Oh my gosh. A thief to a giver. Look into Jesus' eyes, come face to face with him. Any divine exchange divine exchange. Amen? What about an outcast to an evangelist? In John chapter 4, 
We read this. So he came down to a town in Samaria. Samaria, Samarian people, Samaritans, sorry, Samaritans were outcast people anyway. But this woman was particularly an outcast. And there was a well there. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired as he was from his journey. And he sat down in the well and it was about noon. Now I want you to take note, it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone to buy food in the city. Now, you've got to understand, this Samaritan woman, why would she wait until noon to come to the well? Because she knew at noon everybody had finished getting their water. And because, as we read on, you'll realise that she is an outcast woman because of her lifestyle. She wants to come to the well when no one is there. So I'll just worship Jesus at home. I don't need to go to church. I'll just, I'll just go to the well when no one's around because I, I don't need eyes looking at me and judging me. So I'll just have church at home. That's a, that's a common thing, isn't it? The Samaritan would, uh, he says, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks this water, I will give them, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She's thinking to herself, if I can get this water that I never thirst again, then I'll never have to come to this well and I'll never have to see anybody. If I could just get this water, then I'll never thirst again. That's what she's thinking. I'll never thirst again. I'll never thirst again. If I can get this water, I won't have to come to a place where people are going to judge me. I won't have to go back to that church where I feel like eyes are looking at me. I don't have to associate with other Christians. I could just, I could just never go to this well. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she says, well, I have no husband she replied, and he said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So he reads her story. He reads her story. He reads, he exposes, he says, he just, he just says, I know everything about you, and I still want to give you this water. I know it all. You don't have to hide from me. I know it all anyway. Sir, the man, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped in this mountain, but the Jews claimed the place was here for worship. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He says, yet a time is coming and is now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. He's trying to say to her, it's okay for you to be transparent with me. It's okay for you to worship me when you feel like a sinner. It's okay for you to bring your life to me because I have a divine exchange for you. 
See, I have a divine exchange for you. And she says, I know that, I know that Messiah, Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And then Jesus, his disciples returned. They were surprised to find the woman. What do you want? Why are you talking with her? They're saying to Jesus. Even they're saying to Jesus, like, why are you speaking to a sinner? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So she, she's, all of a sudden, I'm not afraid anymore. All of a sudden, I'm affirmed. All of a sudden, I can repent of my sin. He will forgive me. He'll give me living water. It'll be living water that flows through me and cleanses me of all my sin. And so I'm not scared anymore. So I'm going back to tell the whole town. I'm going to tell them all. Come and see this man who knows everything about me. This is the Messiah. I found the Messiah. And you know what? They listened to her because she'd had an experience. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. I'll say that again. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. She had an experience. And they saw an honor. They saw that she changed. There was a different countenance. There'd been a divine exchange. And they followed. And it said that, that, that the whole town and many of them became believers. And the woman, they said to the woman, this is what they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the saviour of the world. So if you have an experience and you share it and people will come to that, then they will be drawn to Jesus to see for themselves. I'm going to church because that's where I'm going to meet with Jesus. You know, say, oh, why do you go to church? It's full of hypocrites. No, it's full of Jesus. And I go to church to meet with Jesus. And he changed my life and you should come and meet him too. It's not about people, it's about Jesus. And church is for sinners anyway. I don't know where you get off thinking that church is for saints because church is for sinners anyway, and we are all of them. Amen? And there's many other stories, and I won't go through them. Just quickly, I'll just highlight them. Death to life. Jesus visits a funeral of a woman that's only son is dead. Imagine that. You're in a funeral. You're carrying, they're carrying your son. They're going to they burn him. They used to burn them in those days. They're going to burn him. They're carrying him along. His son is dead. Jesus walks past. He's just going somewhere else. All of a sudden, compassion hits his heart. He sees this woman crying, this mother crying. How would you be? How would you be if you walked past, you saw a mother crying, and her child is dead? Would you want to change that situation? And Jesus just turns around and he says, boy, get up. Just get up. I've got time to muck around. I've got something else to do, but just get up. And the boy sits up and he, and he pulls the kid off of this, off, off this, gra off this grave board thing they were carrying and he hands it to the mother. Right. It was a divine exchange, death to life. That was in Luke 7, 12 to 16. Bound to free. What about this one? There's a man. He's a madman. He's in the graveyard. He lives in the graveyard. He doesn't wear clothes. 
He slashes himself. He growls. He howls at the moon. He is crazy. He's got long hair. He's got a beard. He's filthy. He hasn't had a shower for years. No one knows what to do with him. He bashes his head on the stones like he is off his tree. They bound him. They put a guard there. They put chains around him. But there were so many demons inside of him that he would bust open the chains and he would get out. And when he saw Jesus, this is what he says. What are you doing here? Let me go back. The first thing that this man does. Now I want to tell you, the Bible says that he, is, he has a legion in him. How many is a legion, those of you here? 3,000? 3,000 to 6,000. I would have said 5,000, so good boy. 3,000 to 6,000 demons inside you. Oh, you know, we can't bring that person to Jesus. They're too far gone. But you know what? God has given us something more powerful than 3,000 to 6,000 demons. It's called the will. He gave us a will. And that man saw Jesus and throws himself at Jesus' feet. It's the very first thing he did. So when people come to me and say, oh, no, I've stopped going to church. I'm just too full of stuff. No, 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 no. The first thing you've got to do is throw yourself at Jesus' feet and Jesus will deliver you. Amen. And it goes on to say that Jesus completely delivered this man, completely delivered him. And it says this, when they came to where Jesus was, the people of the region came, they discovered the notorious madman totally set free. He was clothed, speaking intelligently, and sitting at the feet of Jesus. They were shocked. Then eyewitnesses to the miracle reported all that they had seen and how this demonized man was completely delivered from his torment. After hearing about this such amazing power, the townspeople became frightened. I think you'd be a bit freaked out, I reckon, you know. But the man who had been set free begged Jesus over and over again, don't leave me, don't leave me. Let me be with you. Let me follow you. Jesus sent him away with these instructions. Go to your home and your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So the man went away and preached to everyone who would listen about the amazing miracle Jesus had done. And I could go on, fishermen to fishers of men. We all know that story. And this is my last one. I'll have the worship team up. Prostitute to disciple. Mary Magdalene, this, this prostitute, this woman of the world. Jesus is, you can read the story yourself later in Luke, but I'll take you there. Jesus is going to the house of a religious leader. He's going to be sitting in the house eating. And this woman's a prostitute. Now, if she's seen near these people again, they would stone her to death. But she risks her life. She says, Jesus is there. I want to be where Jesus is. If Jesus is in the house, I'm going to go to the house. Even if I'm scared, even if it's going to cost me my reputation, even if it means I'll lose my, my business and my earnings, even if it means that they're going to persecute me and look at me, if Jesus is in the house, I need to go to the house. I need to go to the house where Jesus is. And I'm not going to the house to visit with the religious leader of the day. I'm going to the house because Jesus is there. And if I can just get near Jesus, if I could just get near him, I know he can change me. I know there could be a divine exchange. And she runs into the house and everybody's in shock. What's this filthy woman doing in our house? What's this filthy woman doing in the church? 
Isn't a church for clean people? What's this filthy woman doing here? She pushes past everybody. She pushes past all of it. And she just goes, I've just got to get to Jesus' feet. She throws herself at Jesus' feet. They used to sit with their legs behind them like this on the floor. So she came behind him. She starts to weep and wash his feet with her tears. She's drying his feet with her hair. It was customary in those days when you went to someone's house with such such dirty roads and they wore sandals, you would take your shoes off to go in the house and then the, the, the master of that house would wash your feet. It was common to do that. And he, this guy hadn't done this for Jesus. He didn't recognize who Jesus was. He hadn't given him honor. He hadn't given him space and time. He hadn't come and said, if I could just touch his feet, even if I could just wash his feet. He washes, she washes his feet with her tears. She dries them with her hair. And the Pharisee says, if you knew what type of woman this was that you were touching, if you just knew, Jesus looks at him with these eyes. Oh, I know exactly who she is. I know exactly who she is and I know exactly who you are. Because God looks at the heart. And he lifts up her chin and he said, woman, go and sin no more. There was a divine exchange right at that moment where that woman was changed. And let me read you the end of this story. Soon after, so that was Luke 7, 36 to 50 for the podcast listeners. And this is Luke 8, one chapter later. One chapter later. Soon afterward, Jesus began a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. His 12 disciples traveled with him and also a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses under his ministry and set free from demonic power. Jesus had cast out seven demons from one of the village of Magdala. Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, he cleansed her. There was a divine exchange and she became one of his greatest disciples to the point when he was ascending to heaven, when he was raised from the dead, he heard a woman weeping in the garden. And he interrupted his ascent to heaven. It interrupted his ascent to heaven, knowing that if she touched him, he couldn't be the pure spotless lamb that died for the sins of the world. But he heard one woman, Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, come disciple weeping in the garden. Where have you laid him? Where is he? Where is the one I love? Where is he? He, he, he disturbed his scent to the Father to save the whole human race because he heard the weeping of one woman. And you can read it in Luke. He comes back down. He said, woman, why are you crying? She says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said, don't touch me, woman, because I haven't finished my ascent. Don't touch me. He interrupted it for that one woman. Jesus will interrupt anything for you. You call him, he comes. 
He has a divine exchange waiting for you right now, today. Now quickly, just hand out those pieces of paper. Quickly as you can. Just get them to pass them along the rows. Here's a piece of paper. We're going to do this quickly. And I want you to write down on this piece of paper what you'd like to exchange today. And we're going to do a divine exchange. How many know that his mercies are new every morning? So this morning, he has fresh mercy for you. And there's something in your life today that you want to exchange. I want you to write it down. No one else is going to see it except the person that's going to pray for you. And then we're going to pray that you have a divine exchange this morning. Can I have that basket out the front, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right, when you've written something down, I want you to stand to your feet. Holy Spirit, come, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you can either be embarrassed right now and just back off, back off, back off. No, just up here, Frank. Yeah, I just want to get out of the way. Just put it down there. Thank you, Lord. Or you can just not be transparent and say, well, yeah, I don't want to really deal with that today. Or you can be hungry. You can have a divine expectation in your heart right now. That right now, I declare that a miracle is about to happen in this place in your life. I declare a divine exchange is about to happen right now. This is between you and Jesus. Between you and Jesus. Okay. When you've written that thing down, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to hold it up to Jesus. Just hold it in your hand. Hold your hand up to Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come, yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, close your eyes. Be with Jesus right now. We give these things to you this morning, Lord. A divine exchange. A divine exchange is about to happen. Hallelujah. Now what I want you to do, just one at a time, come. I want you to come. I want you to tell me what's on that thing and put it in that bucket. We're going to pray for you. Feel cares. Anybody who can help me with the prayer team, come on out. I want you to put that in there. I want you to tell who's praying for you what it was. And we're going to do a divine exchange in Jesus' name. We're going to do it quick. There's an anointing here for this. Come on, let's come. As they sing, let's come. What is it? In the name of Jesus Christ, I break everything off you. Are you going to catch up? In the name of Jesus Christ, just say, Jesus, I repent of Jesus. Turn my mic off, please.
come excited and expectant into your presence. Lord, change us every day.
from glory to glory, with ever-increasing glory into your image. Make us like you, Jesus, and let us honour you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Just sing it one more time before we finish. Thank you, Jilly. So beautiful. We love you, Jesus. Come on. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.